0: Welcome to the Grant Youth Podcast. Here is Pastor Nick News We are going to be talking about the heart and soul of youth, which is worship. Yeah, we're going to talk about worship. And so one of the values we have here at Grant Youth is that we get to worship, that we do worship. And our actual value is worship is our response. So I'm going to hopefully try to tackle these few questions. What is worship? How do we worship? Can I even worship? Am I good enough to worship? And why do we worship? So we have up here a few, not topics, but this is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about a broken promise, forgotten presence, tide pods, the way I used to think, two sides, an inappropriate context, and the half-naked man. Ooh, how do those things all fit together? We'll find out. So, in order for us to fully understand worship and why it's important, we've got to go back to the very beginning So we're gonna go to the beginning, we're gonna walk kind of from the Garden of Eden forward. So this, I'm gonna read a chunk of scripture here and this is after Adam and Eve were created and after they had eaten the fruit. Um, So this is Genesis 3, eight to 10. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. You see, God's promise to us is that he'd walk with us. When God created um, the Garden of Eden, he wanted to fill it, and he filled it with us. And he desired to be in a relationship with us. And we promised one thing, that we wouldn't what? Eat the forbidden fruit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We promised one thing back, and we broke that promise. But God, he still wanted to walk with us. He gave us everything. He gave us dominion over the plants and the animals. We got to name them, and we, we still did it. We broke the fruit. Life was good, but we ate the fruit. And I want you guys to hear this. A broken promise is not enough to keep him away. A broken promise is not enough to keep God away. There's so much more than that. He still wanted to be with us. He still wanted to be in a relationship with us. And even though we ate the fruit, God said, there must be another way that I can be in a relationship with him. And I always get this kind of picture when we're talking about God's pursuit of us as kind of like you're in the kitchen and across the kitchen is the dinner table. And there's kind of something that's teetering on the edge. It's about to fall, like whether it's like, grandma's old vase that is worth like a ton of money or like a pot of coffee or I don't know, pick something valuable and that thing's about to fall and you're like, if this falls, I'm screwed, my parents are going to be mad or I'm going to lose a lot of money. So you're running and you're knocking stuff over, you're knocking over tables and chairs and there's milk flying everywhere and you dive the last second and the thing falls and you catch it in your hands. And I always picture God when he's chasing after us, it's like that. It do, he doesn't care what's in the way. He's gonna do it. He's gonna go all the way. God has done his part. There's nothing that is enough to keep him away. <laughs> I just remember this story. I remember one time, we, when I was growing up, we had an island. I mean, at the time of this story, it was probably my shoulder height. I was carrying, we were, I grew up in a house of three boys, so we drank a lot of milk. Yeah, milk is good, it <laughs> makes your bones strong. So I'm carrying um, four four liters, two in each hand, and I'm not like, I'm not in grade 12, I'm like, I was younger, My like I said, the island is at shoulder height. So in order for me to lift up these four liters and put them on the island, um, I had to like, kind of like rock my body and like get momentum to like set them up there. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> I'm like, oh, instead of doing this twice, I'm just going to do it once. So I kind of get a bit of a running start, and I've got, like, two, like, in each hand. And I go, like, like, like that to put them both up. And it's like I threw them, and they landed on the island, but they slid right off. And there was 16 liters of milk on the kitchen floor. And it was a ton of milk. <laughs> anyway, that's not part of this, <laughs> but I just remembered that because something fell, and it broke. And I cared about it. Um, my mom and dad had to get new flooring because <laughs> the milk was saturated. Anyway, <laughs> after we broke the promise in the Garden of Eden, God created a new way, and so through a very dramatic chain of events that you guys might know, Moses um, delivered. We now know as what the Ten, the Ten Commandments. That's right, and a bunch of other rules and regulations of how we can worship and how we can be in God's presence. Um, And so Israel was chosen to be God's people. And those 10 commandments, God said, um, I want you to put these 10 commandments and I want you to keep them sacred. I want you to build an ark, which is like a fancy box. And they covered it in gold and they did all this fancy stuff. And There's a certain way you're supposed to carry it and all this stuff. And God said, I want you to put these commandments in the ark and I want you to carry the ark with you wherever you go, and that's going to be the sign that my presence is with you. Just like in the Garden of Eden when God walked with us, he created another avenue so we could be in relationship with him. The ver- I love this verse in Second Chronicles um, 7.14, where it talks about a little bit about that relationship between God and man. God says, and my people, who are called by my name, if they humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So, even though God created a new way, and that was good, God said, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. But people still continued in their old one. People still wanted the things of the earth, the things um, that were not of God. The way I phrase it here is, even though, God gave us another attempt to be in communion with him. Humanity turned away. The ark was forgotten. God was a forgotten presence. People had forgotten what the significance of the ark was. Ooh. Israel desired the way of the world, not the way of man. And this, honestly, when I was writing my sermon, I, the thing I thought of was Tide Pods. Because I thought of, like, has anybody eaten a Tide Pod or been tempted to? Those are lies. There's no way. That's the, okay. Eating Tide Pods is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Let's optionally ingest ourselves with chemicals. (laughs) It's so dumb. But these kids are, they're allowing themselves to do something stupid because the world is showing them it's cool, right? Just like Israel forgot about the ark, forgot about the presence of God. They turned away. These kids are eating Tide Pods and going the way of the world because they think it's cool, because they want likes on YouTube videos. It's so dumb. Anyway, so what does all this have to do with worship? You see, God has always done his part. He's always done it. And he continues to do his part. And our response to the fact that God has done his part is worship. Our response to that is worship. Now, the way I used to think is that worship was a certain time in church where the worship band would come up, and they would sing a couple songs, and then after that, worship stopped, and while those songs were going on, if you wanted to sing, that's okay, and the men would stand with their hands in their pockets, just like this. You stand there, don't have to sing, and the women would maybe move around a little bit, but they didn't have to. And it was like, I always felt like people around me were um, kind of like, not reserved, but they didn't care. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that style of worship. However, as I continued to grow up, um, I began to think that when I would see people raising their hands, that they had somehow achieved something. Oh, those people are raising their hands. They must really know God. They must really get it. They must really understand what it means to be a Christian. And it felt like for me, it was like, oh, those people must have arrived at their Christian life. They know exactly how to respond to God. But as I continued to grow in my faith, I learned that there's two sides. There's two sides. There's the side like that, the way I grew up. And then there's another side, which is actually the way my wife, Lacey grew up. She grew up in a in a different kind of setting where worship was another way you performed. So everybody would be raising their hands, people would be shouting and doing crazy stuff and rolling on the ground and all that stuff and it's and for me it was really weird, but for her that was a little more normal. but you see both sides are actually an inappropriate context for worship. Both sides are a little, Well, the way I'll put it is, God wants our hearts, not our actions. It doesn't matter what we do or fail to do, God wants our hearts. If you're over here and you're like, man, I I, I don't know about engaging, like, I'm really concerned about what people around me think, I would encourage you, check your heart. Allow what God is doing in your heart to overflow in your actions. And the people on this side who are like, yep, I'm crazy, Um, I'm going to roll around and stuff, I would also encourage you, check your heart. Because are you trying to act to prove that you're being more of a Christian? Or is your heart actually in a place where that's the natural overflow? Now, People on this side, I would say, the Bible is full of verses where you sing and dance and shout with joy. On this side, I would say, the Bible also talks about orderly worship. So there's a biblical model of what worship looks like that actually lines up in the center where there's times for dancing and shouting and rejoicing, and there's times for orderly worship. They're actually super symbiotic, but the reality is there's been two sides. In my mind, there is no greater image of what it looks like to worship than that of King David. So you guys remember when we were talking about the ark? The ark was at one point God's representative on earth. It was the representative of God's presence I'll say that that's more accurate so Israel had forgotten about the ark it was gone God was a forgotten presence and David who was a good king he came in and said we need to get this ark back it's been stolen this matters to Israel we need God's ark with us because that's God's presence David's value system was aligned with God he knew that the presence of God was important so I'm gonna read um a scripture from 2nd Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 6 to be exact. And I want you guys to listen for something. So I'm gonna need everybody's listening ear for this next piece. Watch and listen for what David's reaction is when the tangible presence of God, the ark, was brought into Israel to, to be this people. So Okay, I'm going to need everyone's listening ear. We'll see if we can all catch it. David brought the ark together. David brought together, again, all the able young men of Israel, around 30,000. But So everyone knows that's two MTS centers. And all his men went to Bala and Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is thrown between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out from the house which was on the hill. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed this house and everything in it because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the Ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fanned calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, while he and all of Israel were bringing up the Ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets. As the Ark of the Lord entered the city of David, uh, David's wife watched from a window, and she saw David leaping, and dancing before the lord and she despised him in her heart they brought the ark of the lord and set it in its place inside the tent that david had pitched for it and david sacrificed whoa and david sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the lord after he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings this part's really cool i think it's funny the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave every family a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the crowd, all of all Israelites, both men and women. And all the people went to their homes. Remember when I was telling you guys to listen? This is the part that I want you to listen to. When David returned home to bless his house, Michael or Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. And this is what I love, David's response. David said, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house who he appointed, me ruler over the Lord's people of Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And in my eyes, I will be humiliated. You see, David didn't care. He literally didn't care what it looked like to worship. His wife said, dude, your actions right now are really embarrassing. He went home after like a great day. They had just had an amazing worship time. He's like, man, God was really there, all this stuff. It was so amazing. I really connected with the people, all this stuff. And then his wife is like, yeah, but your actions were really embarrassing. Like, you were worshiping Jesus a little too much. And he didn't care. He said, I'll become even more undignified than this. And he was literally half naked. The Bible says half naked. David, all of his embarrassment was thrown out the window. And the overflow of his life was worship. He had an understanding of what it meant when the presence of God came back. When the presence of God that came down, his overflow was exuberant and abundant worship. All that mattered was God. The phrase that I want you guys to hear is this. Worship is our reaction to God's divine action. Worship is our reaction to God's divine action. See, David, he responded with leaping and dancing and shouting and joy, and he didn't care. I would like to invite the band back up. So, I'm going to end with a few questions for us as a youth group. What do we do when God's presence reaches down to us? What do we do? I would, I would argue to say that David responded with worship. Have you ever felt so passionate about something that your actual reaction is such an overflow of your heart? It's so passionately interwoven that you don't even care what it looks like. It's like you need it, like raw, uninterrupted, and unabandoned, like you need it. You're like, I, I need this. <laughs> that's how I feel David's reaction is. Have you, maybe you're thinking, I've never felt the presence of God. I don't know what that's like. And I'm not going to talk for very long today just because we want, since I'm talking about worship, we want to give an opportunity for us to engage in worship, You may be thinking, I don't feel that way. In fact, I don't even know God. I don't know his presence. I don't know how to engage with him. I would encourage you, let's check our hearts. Let's take a moment before we enter in to say, God, what are you doing in my heart? Are you in my heart? What is the Holy Spirit doing? If you're in grade six, I want to say to you, um, you're not too young. You're not too young. If you're in grade seven, you're not too young. There's never an age that you need to be to engage with God because he wants to engage with us. If you're in grade 12 and you're thinking, I don't know what I'm doing next, um, I would encourage you, God wants to meet with you. God wants to meet with you. Let the overflow of your light be, life be worship. Let the overflow of your heart. What Jesus is in our heart. And let whatever is in there pour out. And what that looks like, if that looks like standing with your hands in your pockets, that's cool. You have permission to do that. You can do that. If that looks like jumping up and down um, and raising your hands, you do that. You have permission to do that. There's no embarrassment here. We as youth, we're not gonna be embarrassed. We're not gonna judge people when they want to engage with God. When people stay behind in small group and they want to talk more because they're learning. That's not going to be. That's not embarrassing. When we want to, we want to. When we want to worship, we don't want that to be a source of embarrassment. After, um, the ark had been brought in and set up. Um, David addressed um, his people, and he set up a way for there to be constant worship around the throne. And I'm going to read this scripture. So this is what David said, and I want this to lead us into worship. So if you guys want to stand, I'm gonna read this and then and then you guys can take over. I'm gonna read from 1 Chronicles 16. So this is David's this is what David said to Israel. He said, Sing to the Lord, all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of all the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The earth is firmly established and cannot be moved. In the hands of God. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns.